Luke chapter 7. I want you to look with me tonight in verse number 36 of Luke chapter number 7. Let's really get focused in. Let's see if we can see something out of the wondrous pages of God's Word. I pray every day, Lord, open mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy word. Y'all believe we might see something wondrous tonight? Let's look here in chapter 7 in verse number 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, He spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor, which had two debtors. The one owed five hundred pence and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman, and said unto Simon, Seeth thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gave me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee, go in peace. Now look in chapter 8, And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. 
And certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance, let us pray. Father, we are thankful that you allowed us to be back in the house of God tonight. Lord, what a wonderful day we had here yesterday. But it's a new day, it's a new time, and we need your hand and your help. Lord, all the service has just been a great blessing. We thank you for the good singing, we thank you for the good fellowship, but now it's preaching time. And Lord, we sure do need you, for without you we know we can do nothing. Help us here a little while. Pull our attention right in where you need it to be. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray, amen. As I read you these two portions from these two chapters, we see two scenes in the life of Mary called Magdalene. Here in chapter 7, Mary brought an alabaster box of ointment to anoint Jesus with the ointment. In chapter number 8, we see another scene directly after when Mary Magdalene, along with some other women, are following Jesus in His journey and supporting Jesus in His journey. Now, Mary Magdalene is a prominent character in the New Testament. Mary Magdalene is one of the greats in the Word of the Lord. Tonight I want to focus in a little bit on this great woman, Mary Magdalene. The first thing you need to understand about Mary is that Magdalene was not her last name. Magdalene means Magdala. It was a city. When they called her Magdalene, they were calling her the city from which she was from. Now, that don't mean much to us, Magdala or Magdalene. But in this time period, Brother Jimmy, Magdala was called Sin City. It was the equivalent of Las Vegas. It was the bad side of the tracks. It was the other side of the tracks. And that's where this girl came from. Tonight I want to preach a little bit, maybe the next few nights, on the girl from Sin City. The girl from Sin City. You see, Mary never heard songs like, Jesus loves me, this I know. Mary knew nothing about the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. She wouldn't have known the Old from the New Testament. She grew up in Sin City. It was like a vacuum. Her life had no godly influence. Her life was spiraling out of control in a downward direction. This girl from Sin City... If we could have just saw her before she met the Lord, 
we wouldn't have gave her much hope at all. She don't have a godly mama. She don't have a godly grandma. She don't have a pastor praying and preaching to her. But this little girl from Sin City looks like she don't have a chance. Well, one day, this girl from Sin City, she met Jesus. That makes all the difference in the world. Folks, it don't matter where you came from. It don't matter what you've been involved in. Thank God when you meet Jesus, He wipes the slate clear. And thank God all things are forgiven when you meet the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this woman coming from Sin City, she met the Lord Jesus and she heard that there's having a meal until she's leaning Baptist. Y'all Church of God help me here. She's leaning Baptist because she's headed to a meal and that's what Baptists do. Say amen. But she didn't show up with green beans or cathead biscuits. She didn't show up with fat back, mashed potatoes or gravy, and I'm losing you fast. Amen. But she showed up with an alabaster box of ointment. Very costly. And the story is partially revealed as she anoints the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the head of the house, Simon the Pharisee, he got mad about her coming. He didn't like this kind of woman coming to his house. Now there's something wrong with us when we don't want this kind of people at the house of God. I'm telling you, these kind of people, those that didn't have a hope, those that didn't have a chance, those that didn't have a prayer, when they meet the Lord Jesus Christ, they have a tendency to outshine everybody, and that's what this girl did. Well, she's anointing Jesus with this ointment from the alabaster box in chapter 8. Simon got upset about that, and Jesus said, Hey, Simon... Let me tell you a story. There was a man owed a lot. And there was a man who owed a little. And the creditor forgave them both. He said, Simon, which one do you reckon loved and appreciated the forgiveness of the debt most? Simon said, well, I I suppose, Lord, the one he forgave most. Well, he said, Simon, that's the case here. When you look in a mirror... All you see is somebody who hadn't sinned too much. But when this woman looked in the mirror, she saw somebody who was very sinful and had sinned much. Jesus said, those that have been forgiven just a little, they love me just a little. But this woman, if you'll notice in verse number 47, Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. For to whom, or but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Now, I could ask you, do you love Him much? You could quickly say yes. But they're not testifying of their self. That's what Jesus said about her. Now, what if Jesus walked in tonight 
and testified about each of us. I wonder what would he say. They love me a little bit. They love me sometimes. They love me part time. They love me in the sunshine. They love me when things are going well. But when he looked at the girl that came from Sin City, he said, this woman, she loves me much. This woman, she loves me much. Friends, I'm telling you what our problem is in our churches tonight. I believe we're just like the church of Ephesus. We have walked away from our first love. We're doing all the right things for all the wrong reasons and God is not pleased with that. I'm for doing right. I'm for holding it tight. I'm for spitting white. Say amen right there. But I'm here to tell you if our motive is not loving Jesus, then our motives have gotten all messed up she loved much if you wonder why she loved much because she was forgiven Jesus said in verse 48 and he said unto her thy sins are forgiven I can't help but inject this Mary Magdalene is already saved here she's already saved Man, she's bringing an expensive gift to Jesus. So why did Jesus say, Thy sins are forgiven, if her sins were already forgiven? I'm going to tell you why. Because sometimes the Lord, in His grace and His mercy, just reminds us that we've been forgiven. This old Pharisee was hard on her. I may preach on that tomorrow night. Man, he was hard on this girl. But you know, Jesus just reminded her, you ignore old Simon the Pharisee because thy sins are forgiven. Simon's not the one that's going to take you to heaven. I'm the one that's going to take you to heaven. And he told her that her sins were forgiven. That's why she loved much. I fear tonight, and I'm not for living in the past, But I fear sometimes we've got too big for our britches and we've got too heady and too high-minded and we forgot that pit that the Lord brought us out of. Friends, tonight we need to be reminded that we were sinners. But thank God we're not sinners anymore. Thank God we're forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. I read you some in chapter 8 because I wanted to show you a couple of more reasons why she loved him much. The girl from Sin City, she loved him much. She loved him much because she'd been forgiven. But if you look with me in verse number 2, the Bible says in chapter 8 verse 2, And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits. Now let me stop there. Here's reason number two that she loved him much. You see, being healed of evil spirits, this woman, Mary, had seven devils living inside her body. Now if you don't believe in demon possession, you better go back and look at the Bible. And there's a lot of demon-possessed people in this world today. 
And for us that don't want to believe it, you can say what you want. There's a lot of demon-possessed people in Reedsville, North Carolina. Well, this woman had seven devils living inside her. And the Bible said that when she got healed of these evil spirits, that's the idea that God has stopped the decline that these demonic spirits were working in her life. Now I'm going to tell you something about the influence of devils. Young people, you better hear me tonight. The devil says take a little bit of sin. You just, it won't hurt. Take a little bit of sin. Well, that's not the way it works. Because it's a constant downward pull when you get involved in sin. It just keeps taking you lower. It just keeps taking you down farther. Am I telling it right? Can someone say amen? Well, these sins, these demons, brother, they just kept taking her down. She just kept getting worse. The Bible said she was called Magdala. Can you imagine a girl when she walked in among a crowd and they said, Hey, everybody, party time. Look who's here. It's Sin City. How would you like to be called Sin City? That's how wicked she was. That's what them demons did in this girl's life. But oh, thank God, Jesus healed her of those demon spirits. He cast out those demon spirits. I still believe Jesus can cast out devils. I've seen Him do it. Amen. And I know He can do it today. God has not changed. What God did for Mary Magdalene, God can do for others. And God can do for you. Well, there was Mary along with other women. They were healed of evil spirits. And then the Bible says, they were healed of infirmities. And here's something else the devil don't tell you about sin. He tells you sin is fun. You can just play with sin. Oh, he says there's pleasure in sin, but God said that is seasonal and it'll run out on you real quick. The only way you get peace, friends, is in the peace giver, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful I got peace in my soul tonight. I don't have to pray, Lord, if I should die, before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul will take. I don't pray that. My soul is secure. I'm saved. I got peace with God. I go to sleep at night knowing if I wake up in heaven, it'll be a better place. I said it'll be a better place. Thanks be unto God. I told you last night when I was right on the brink of Jordan's River, just getting ready to cross into glory. Even saw some of the saints. Even saw my parents. But God had another plan. And God left me here. And I'm here to tell you I got peace in my heart. And the world cannot give peace like Jesus gives peace. John 14, Jesus said, Peace, I leave with you. Whoo, aren't you glad He leaves peace with us? Peace I leave with you, my peace give I unto you. Not as the world giveth, 
Now stop there. Jesus is admitting the world can give some peace. He said, I give peace, but my peace is not like the world giveth. The world's peace might be in a needle. The world's peace might be in a bottle. The world's peace might be in a drug. The world's peace might be in some form of sexual immorality. But all of that and 10,000 other things will leave you high and dry. It gives you a temporary fix, a temporary peace. But Jesus said, the peace I give you, it's not as the world giveth, give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Hey, get your eyes off the Pharisee. Get your eyes off the critical crowd. Get your eyes off the crowd looking down at everybody. And just remember, the Lord left you peace, and that crowd can't give you no peace. Now look what on he goes on to say. The Bible said that she was healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Infirmities there speaks of physical problems that come as a result of sin. See, the devil don't tell you that it affects you physically. How many beautiful young girls, their teeth are rotting out. See, the devil didn't tell them those drugs would do that. How many of them tonight look like a walking skeleton with skin wrapped around their bones? The devil don't tell them about the effects physically. When I was a boy, they used to preach against the billboards with that woman, that long woman in a nightgown drinking a glass of liquor. And oh my, young people through the years have saw such images. But the devil don't show you the end of that. The end of that is a life of shame. A life of sorrow. A life that is declining in health. I'll tell you something sin will do for you. Sin will make you old. I don't mind getting old. But I don't want to get old before my time. I know people 30 years old that look 60 years old because of sin. Are you listening to me tonight? The devil's not going to tell you sin will make you old. He'll tell you you'll be forever young. But that's a lie. I said that's a lie of the devil. Sin will make you old before your time. Sin will make you ugly. Sin will rob you of your youthful beauty. Oh my, the devil don't tell you that sin will make you old and sin will make you ugly. Friends, tonight sin is not a toy. It's not something to be played with. This girl from Sin City, she knew what sin did to her and that's why she loved Jesus so much. It's because of what Jesus did for her. He got them demons out of her. I said He got them demons out of her. And thank God her declining health started taking a turn. And she started getting more healthy. Aren't you glad God can do that? Amen, brother. Aren't you glad God can take declining health and turn it in a new direction. Now, I'm trying to preach about 
she loved much. You reckon a girl who didn't grow up in Sunday school, who never came to church in her life, who probably doesn't own a thread of modest clothes, you reckon a girl like that could get saved and teach us anything? I believe she's already teaching us something that she loved Him much. I fear tonight our churches are contaminated with a loss of a love for the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't have time to preach from Revelation 2 about the church of Ephesus. But I want you to imagine, I want to draw a church for you to imagine. Imagine a church that's rock solid in their faith in the Bible. Imagine a church that's got all the right doctrine, all the right standards. A church that despises evil. A church that don't let evil go on in the congregation. A church that appears to be everything a church ought to be. Well, that's a picture of the church of Ephesus. The kind of church by just an outward observation. You say, this is a kind of church that I'd like to be a part of. But when Jesus looked at that polished church... That church had had every duck in the row. That church had had everything right. Jesus said, hey, 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 I got somewhat against you. What could you have against us? We got men haircuts. We got long dresses on the women. We got the right doctrines. We got the right Bible. We don't fool with other versions. What could you have against us? See, here's what I got against you. You've left your first love. You're doing all these right things for all the wrong reasons. I knew it'd get quiet there because we're kind of proud of ourselves. You know, we do clean up pretty good, don't we? But sometimes it takes a Mary from Magdala a girl from Sin City, just to remind us of how backslidden we really are when it comes to our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, again, I'm not preaching Revelation 2, I guess I am, but when he said you've left your first love, isn't it amazing how the Lord, and you think it's got quiet, it's going to get quieter, how the Lord uses romance terms in relation to His people and Him in their relationship. If I'm not mistaken, we are the bride. If I'm not mistaken, He is the groom. And when you and I got saved, Jesus compared it to a romance and the first love. Woo! Some of you have been married for a while. Can you look back at how it was then? And look at it how it is now. I jotted down some things that are important in an early romance. Woo! Boy, it got quiet, didn't it? Lord, help us. I'm glad my wife ain't here. Thank you, Jesus. 
and first love, here's something, always. Amen. Hey, in the first love romance, something you always see is notation. You say, what does that mean? It means notes. Sometimes Juanita, God help her, she'll pull out some of them old notes. Look what you wrote. Why y'all getting so quiet on me? We didn't have texting. Man, if we'd had that, we'd have burned the phones up. Amen. But I'm telling you, we had, we had a pen and paper. And we'd write those little notes. We love to read what the other wrote. You see, when you first get saved, there's something very special in your life. And it's called the Word of God. It's our notation. It's notes and words and letters and chapters and verses and sentences that He wrote just to us. Isn't it sad that the Bible that used to be our most important note, our most important document, our most important letter, now it sits around, collects dust, and we don't even have time. i tell you one thing, when you were courting, if you got a note, it never collected no dust. Come on now. And you didn't lay it down for three weeks before you opened it. Praise God you opened it quick as you could. Notation. Oh my. Can I give you another one? Beautification. Now when me and Juanita first started dating, I was a blue jean, converse tennis shoes, t-shirt kind of guy. Hair just combed straight down with bangs. You know, I didn't, re- I didn't really care too much about my appearance. But one day, I met this little br- beautiful brunette girl. And, you know, I hope leisure suits never come back. Lord, please, please don't let them ever come back. I'm glad somebody knew what a leisure suit is. If these young people don't know, don't tell them. Amen. And don't pull out no pictures. But you have these silky shirts and a big old collar. And I don't think there's even no buttons at the top. If it was, you just left them unbuttoned. Come on, men. Help me now. And then here you... I put on a a leisure shirt, big old collar, had two buttons unbuttoned, showing my hairy chest. You know, my hairy chest was like this. It was like a compass. It had a hair going north, hair going south, hair going east and west. And I just usually flop my hair down, but man, I would have made Elvis come to shame. Say, I had my hair slicked back. I had on that leisure shirt, found a pair of dress pants, and didn't wear Converse. Man, I put on a pair of dress shoes. I walked through the house and my mama looked at me. She said, who in the world are you? I says, I'm going on a date. You see, it makes a lot of difference. You remember the old slogan, dress to impress? Now we dress to bring sorrow. You know it's right. You ladies are loving this, but I ain't done with you either. Man, you used to, used to comb your hair. Used to, yeah. 
Now it looks like your hair's allergic to a comb. Oh, God help us. You would fix up and beautify yourself. Now when your husband comes home, you've had a gown on all day. Looks like it's been shot with a shotgun. Hair going every direction. Amen. Make Phyllis Diller look like a shame. Say amen. You know it's right. But you used to care about how you looked. You cared about impressing your mate. Think about this, fellas. You remember back when you used to brush your teeth? Now your breath would stop a freight train. Man, you wouldn't have dared got in a car with that little girl without brushed teeth. Woo! Glory to God. Lord, help us tonight. You see, when we first got saved, we, we may not have known much, but we cared about how we appeared to our Lord Jesus Christ. We cared. i got to move on. That's, that's about all we can take right there. But not only notation, beautification, what about observation? We were so enamored. We just couldn't... Listen, fellas, you remember when you didn't have eyes for nobody but her? It didn't matter how pretty the other girls were. Do you remember when you only had eyes for her and you only had eyes for Him? God help us tonight. Jesus said you've left your first love. The way it should have been back in your early days of romance is the way it was when you first got saved with the Lord Jesus Christ. I know I'm preaching right. What about dedication? I mean dedication beyond dedication. There's no thoughts. No thoughts of being untrue. No thoughts of dating someone else. Man, dedication. Do you remember when you first got saved? How dedicated you were. You may not have known much, but the dedication was so real. Conversation. My, my. Now we didn't have cell phones, but boy it was a happy day when our old phone that hanged on the wall that mama found an extended cord. <laughs> Glory to God. Some of you young people don't have a clue what I'm talking about. But you see, I couldn't run off to my room with a cell phone, but when she got that long cord, here I go, and I'd shut the door on the cord because we had something to converse about. We always had something to talk about. There was always conversation. When's the last time you talked to Jesus? I mean, really talk to Him. Really spend some time in conversation. I'll give you this last one. What about captivation? You were captivated. I'm talking about a lot of things the kids don't have a clue about. About old things like phones and long cords and all that. But back in the 60's, now this is not a wicked lyrics, but there was a song written back in the 60's that became one of the top love songs of all time. The lyrics is not wicked, so that's the only reason I'll mention it in the pulpit. But there was a man, now when I tell you his name, I'll get response, because you older people know who it is. His name, he was a black great singer, soloist, Percy Sledge. And he wrote this song, When a Man Loves a Woman. Part of the lyric says this, 
He can't keep his mind on nothing else. I wonder how we are. We got our mind on Facebook, our mind on Twitter and Instagram. We got our mind on all the things of this world. But when we first got saved, we couldn't keep our mind on nothing else. Listen, we were captivated, captivated by the person and presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I've been in church all my life, but this little girl from Sin City who didn't know much, she's really bringing me under conviction how much she loved Him and how sanctimonious we appear sometimes with zero, zero observation of the love of Christ. You know, sometimes to really have revival. Now look, when I was young, we saw revivals. We saw a bunch of people saved. We saw people getting right with God. We saw homes put back together. We saw real revival back in those days. But you know why? I've tried to think, what, what caused it? We know God did it, but what brought these kind of blessings? It was a house full of people that were really in love with the Lord. That's the bottom line. A house full of people really in love with the Lord. Do you ever come to church looking forward to meeting with the Lord? Do you think, man, well, we'll get out of here in a little bit and I can go home? No, no. When you were dating, you didn't think about how quick you could get home. I had a curfew and I ran my curfew down to the second. (laughs) Say amen. Because I wanted to be in her presence all that I could. I even stayed a little longer. Don't listen to this, young people, but speed all the way home so I wouldn't get in trouble to just get a little more time with her. Jesus said, Simon, your problem is you think you've only been forgiven a little, but she knows she's been forgiven much. And that's why she loves me much. That's why she loves me much. Don't you ever forget where the Lord found you. Don't you ever forget. Hey, there's some of you right here tonight. You were demon possessed and you know it. You were captivated by sin. You know it. You were entangled. You were in bondage. You were in chains. But He set you free. He set you free. He saved your soul. He saved your life. And He turned things around. That's why she loved Him much.